It's a Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories bonus episode. What's up? It's Brian. You know the drill. Get involved in the show. We are the story guys at gmail.com or find us on Instagram backslash rock and roll bedtime stories. Lots happening in the news this week in terms of rock and roll uh, that we need to cover. First off, uh, just breaking news. Uh, Vivian Westwood has passed away. Now, if you don't know that name, let me read you a quote from Chrissy Hind. Chrissy Hind, of course, lead singer of The Pretenders. She worked for Vivian Westwood um, at one point in her life in a store in London. Uh, I don't know if you saw the FX series Pistol uh, earlier this year or if you heard our bonus episode about it, uh, but Chrissy Hind is a character in that show. And if you have read Chrissy Hind's book, which I believe is called Reckless, which I did read, uh, lots of talk about her relationship with this whole scene and with Vivian Westwood. But this is what she had to say. She says, quote, I don't think punk would have happened without Vivian. Something would have happened, and it might have been called punk, but it wouldn't have looked the way it did, even in America. And that look was important. Yeah, Vivian Westwood often called the godmother of punk rock, and this has this is because she and Malcolm McLaren, who will go on to... Uh, manage the Sex Pistols. Uh, they had a, a shop together. It was called Let It Rock, 430 Kings Road in London. Had a big pink vinyl sign out front, and they sold fetish wear and fashions inspired uh, by looks from the 1950s, and the whole aesthetic people really associate with her. <laughs> Vivian Westwood passing away on December the 29th at the age of 81. Okay, uh, other noteworthy stories happening in the world of rock this week. Did you hear the story about the Wham Christmas song? What are your feelings on Last Christmas by Wham? You know, I've come to peace with it. We've talked about my history as a pusher of all things Christmas music on radio stations. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. It's a goofy-ass song, right? Uh, It's launched some good covers, uh, you know, it's fairly harmless. It is a bit of an earworm. I don't know if you saw this story, but this broke all over the place uh, this week. Just, I'm just going to read the headline. Couple raise 50,000 pounds to buy the rights to last Christmas so they never have to hear it again. They intend to have the master tape shipped to a nuclear waste site, quote, where it'll rest for at least 2 million years. First of all, sensational headline writing. Thank you, NME.com. That's beautiful. Christmas songs are often met with divided opinions, but one couple hate Wham's 1984 anthem Last Christmas so much they've raised 50,000 pounds to buy the licensing rights. Listen, I've raised money before for good causes. The the idea that someone could convince people to give them 50,000 pounds collectively for such a stupid idea 
I don't know if it gives me hope or makes me frustrated or both at the same time. Speaking to the Southwest News Service via the Daily Mail, Hannah Mazzetti, this is the woman's name, said her contempt for this song began when she was 20. She is now the ripe old age of 33. Uh, because when she was 20, 13 years ago, she worked in a cafe in Oxford, and her boss would play Last Christmas a lot. Quote, the owner of the cafe had planned for a super cozy holiday season and had his own made CD with a number of hits on it, she explained. He was only in now and then, so he didn't fully appreciate the agony the rest of the staff felt when Last Christmas played for the 111th time of the working day. Uh, real pizzazz in this interview from uh, Miss Mazzetti. She just... You know, she's really laying it on. I, I feel like this is not factual journalism. Mazzetti went on to say that she and her husband, Tomas, had the idea to buy the song's rights after a friend let them know that such a feat theoretically could be achieved. On the origins of their endeavor, she said, it started last Christmas <laughs> when we asked friends how much they would be willing to pay to never hear that song again. It turned out a lot. Like, people said they would pay a lot. And so we were reminded this year. Then someone told us it was theoretically possible to buy the rights to the song and take it off of all streaming platforms. So this is an interesting theoretical conversation. Like, in theory, you could do that. But I think at some point, I mean, you'd have to pay somebody a lot of money. Because if you owned the rights, you would get the royalties to it. And uh, yeah, obviously the streaming royalties aren't going to be fantastic, but if you bought all the rights, you'd have all the royalties and those royalties would be really good because that song shows up a lot and it has BMI and ASCAP and all that stuff. So maybe they're just talking about the streaming royalties, getting off streaming, but that wouldn't really solve their problem. So you'd want all of the rights. And if you had all of the rights, then why not put up with hearing it and just take the paycheck? That seems like the bet, the better move. So far, the Mazzetti's campaign has raised a little over 51,500 pounds from around 330 contributors. Unfortunately for them, they have a few million quid to go. The rights to last Christmas are owned by Warner Chapel Music UK, and according to the Daily Mail, have an estimated price tag in the ballpark of 15 to 20 million pounds. Of course they do. This song is worth a lot of money because the residuals on it. The couple have set their goal on the lower end of that estimate. Should they achieve it, Mazzetti said, they'll send the master tapes to a nuclear waste site in Finland. That is ridiculous. Again, this idea of her saying it will rest for two million years is also complete hyperbole and is a little frustrating. Hannah Mazzetti's really got a flair for the theater. Stressing that she and her husband don't harbor any animosity towards Wham themselves, Mazzetti asserted, I'm sorry, but this is the way it has to be. We don't hate Wham, we just hate this song. So one more thing we got to talk about when it comes to uh, rock and roll news from this week. Did you hear the Courtney Love interview on WTF with Mark Marin? 
Like, holy cow. Uh, first of all, Courtney Love doesn't give a lot of interviews for a lot of reasons, I think. And Marin, at this point, can get anyone. He can really get anyone. He's had Barack Obama and Courtney Love. Uh, but I will tell you, this is as wacky as you think it's going to be. Highly enjoyable if you're a rock fan. Highly listenable. I mean, actually, there are moments where you're like, what? What is she saying? But for the most part, lots of gold. And let me just, can I spoil something? If for some reason you want to go listen to this and you want to hear her tell this story, I get it. So just fast forward a few seconds. There's a, there's a crazy rock and roll rumor story that we need to address, though. So she dated Ed Norton. She talks about this a lot in this interview. This is something I had sort of forgotten if I had known ever. I guess this happens in the late 90s. And at one point, and she says it is unrelated to her dating, but she works with David Fincher and screen tests and gets the part to be Marla in Fight Club. Now, if you are a person of a certain age, Fight Club is an important movie to you, even if you have now since watched it and been like, this actually is not a great movie uh, or a great story, and it has a lot of confusing messages. Pop culturally, it made a big impact, right? And one of the big impacts is the Helena Bonham Carter performance. She plays Marla, right? So this story is that Courtney Love originally had that part. And she tells a story on this in this Marin interview that Gus Van Sant was having lunch with Brad Pitt during this time at some point and called her and like and she says they like were calling from the lunch but it was like late 90s so was there a cell phone I don't know but basically they get on the phone and they ask her can like Brad wants to play Kurt in a Kurt biopic and she says that in retrospect, what she should have done was just say, yeah, sure, whatever, and moved on, knowing that it would there'd be tons of red tape later to go through. But instead, she like loses her mind and tells him, no way. And she claims she was then, by that evening, fired from Fight Club. Uh, because Brad Pitt, the star of Fight Club. Uh, because of her reaction to Brad Pitt asking to play Kurt Cobain, they fired her from that movie. I don't know if any of that is true, but... It's a fantastic story, and that's just the tip of the iceberg in this Courtney Love interview. So if you want to hear some really good, some really good rock and roll rumor and innuendo straight from a woman who has lived through a lot of it, uh, check out that interview. Of course, Mark Marin, one of the masters, one of my inspirations for podcasting, one of my favorite uh, people in the game. Uh, so he, he doesn't, and he's gotten a lot better at interviewing musicians. I think when it started, he had a like a little more trouble because he was so focused initially on talking to comedians, uh, and he was so familiar with being a comedian that it was like a very effortless conversation. Then he'd get in with musicians and become a little bit of a fanboy. He's he's worked on that and it's gotten a lot better over the years. And I I think he he handles her very well in this interview and does a really good job. So, um, but it is quite the artifact. Go check it out. Um, it's a really good time. Oh, make me over I'm all I wanna be I walk and study In demonology hey, So that you can make it Yeah, now you really made it hey, So glad you can make it now Alright, alright, alright 
Uh, we are headed into a celebration of a brand new year, New Year's Eve, uh, just a few days away. So I thought, uh, you know, it might be fun to do uh, in this bonus episode with a little bit of a playlist. How about a New Year's Eve playlist? Now, here's what you're going to get from a lot of people if they offer you a New Year's Eve playlist. You're going to get... Uh, Uptown Funk, seven times. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about when you look up best songs for a New Year's party and it's like Doja Cat. Like that's that's not the sort of playlist I'm offering. What I'm offering here is a playlist of some some thematic uh, songs, some that are fairly on the nose. Um, we'll put this link in the show notes if you want to check it out, if you want to listen to some New Year's related tunes over the next few days or, or any time. One of my all-time favorite songs and and Murdoch would agree with this assessment about this particular group a song that I think is woefully undercovered and underrepresented in pop culture that's a little band called the zombies and it's called this will be our year solo alone is worth the price of admission on that one. Love it. This will be our year. The Zombies. A a very optimistic song, as I said. This next one, um, one of the least optimistic songs on this playlist. Well, I don't know. I've got a few not optimistic songs on this playlist. Uh, But this comes from another uh, favorite of both Murdoch and I. Um, A guy who is also writing novels these days. Uh, His latest book uh, showed up uh, under my Christmas tree. Uh, But you know him for his band, The Mountain Goats. And this is a song called This Year. My broken house behind me and good things ahead. A girl named Kathy wants a little of my time. Six cylinders underneath the hood crashing and kicking. Ah, listen to the engine whine. I am going to make it through this year. If it kills me, I am going to make it through this year. If it kills me. Maybe that's not really cynical. Maybe it's just realistic, you know? We've all had years like that. I remember that song like got a major spike in playlist usage during a, a lockdown period of uh, the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, I've, that year definitely that felt appropriate that year. Uh, what, what else is on this list? Songs that thematically feel like they were written together or maybe written in response to each other. I don't know uh, all the background on these tunes, but I will just present them the way I hear them. And the first is from a band that's near and dear to me from Minneapolis, Minnesota called Motion City Soundtrack. They put out a record called Commit This to Memory in 2005. And lots of thematic introspection around starting over and new beginnings and you know, reconciling with who you used to be and who you might be, all that sort of stuff on this record. And it's done through 
this lens of, of the idea of a new year, right, in, in several different places. There's two songs that sort of speak to each other. The first one is called Resolution, and the second one is called Together Will Ring in the New Year. I'm going to play you a clip first of Resolution, and then Together Will Ring in the New Year. I, I recommend the whole album, but these two songs are, uh, are really good companion pieces, especially for this playlist. I like the universe But she messes with my words I'm not talking planets or galaxies And the distance just makes it worse I know what you're thinking This probably sounds rehearsed So let's give it up set of songs that seem to be in conversation with each other by a totally different band. One of my favorite reading experiences this year was Meet Me in the Bathroom, which is an oral history of New York City rock and roll at the beginning of the 2000s. And a band that gets a lot of mention, especially at the beginning of that oral history, is is a band that starts as Jonathan Fireeater, and then remnants of that band will become a band called The Walkman. And you know, in terms of the Walkman's catalog, there's parts of it that resonate with me more than others, but they have a record called Bows and Arrows, and then, I don't know, four years later or so, they put out a record called You and Me. And Bows and Arrows has a song called New Year's Eve, and You and Me has a song called In the New Year. So I'm going to play you a clip first of New Year's Eve, and then of In the New Year. And uh, I think these are nice companion pieces for a playlist, too.
it, it doesn't seem like it would really be a uh, rock and roll bedtime stories playlist if we didn't have some punk rock representation. So the last song I want to play off this playlist is a song from NoFX. It's it's from Stoke Extinguisher, but I don't really feel like it needs an introduction. It is called New Year's Revolution. Forget about old acquaintance. Instead, we honor flagrants. This night is so cliched. We mix stale traditions with random premonitions. A futile charade. Forget about justice. Forget about war. We're gonna make a New Year's revolution. A New Year's revolution. A New Year's revolution. A New Year's revolution. God forbid you think we're too sincere about anything we do. We'll end with no effects, because that's how you do it. Remember, we are the story guys at gmail.com. Would love to hear if there's something I missed. I know I missed good New Year's Eve songs. So if you want to throw something on the playlist, send us a note. Also, uh, follow along on Instagram. It's uh, backslash rock and roll bedtime stories. And a sincere thank you if you've been following the show and hanging out with us in the year 2022. Thanks for making it so great. Looking forward to a killer 2023. And have a great, safe, happy New Year, New Year's Eve weekend. See ya. Keep telling stories. Yeah.